Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right. Well, hey, Brad, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, We have Brad Britton joining us today. Um, Brad, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, Sure. Thanks, Chris. And all right. Well, about myself, I started in 1988, 33 years ago now, with a company that was selling kitchen knives, Cutco kitchen knives, looking for a summer job. And so that's what I uh, figured I would uh, get some, maybe get some good experience and uh, turned out 33 years later, I'm still selling Cutco kitchen knives. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually sell that much personally myself. I, you know, about a year into the business, I moved into the management, but still from time to time, in fact, I just had someone call me uh, yesterday and bought uh, 16 hunting and fishing knives, uh, you know, for someone who's purchased from several times. But yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Cutco person, I guess is the best way to describe me. Got that awesome wife that I met selling knives in 1989. In Dallas, Texas, and I got two two amazing children, twenty three and uh, almost twenty one, twenty three and twenty right now, and um, I'm the manager of uh, I currently manage Orange County and about half of LA County for the Cutco business. Yeah, and we met. Gosh, I mean, I was I was in college, so I was in Sacramento, and mm-hmm. uh, I was a rep. You had moved into the area. I think I worked in your office and then I had an office after that. And, you know, so my audience is mostly tech salespeople, but I yeah. you know, oftentimes I like to bring somebody on that's not in tech sales that uh, can bring a different perspective because I think that's important. And one thing that I've always been impressed with, uh, with what you do is you think about the consistency of what you've been doing over that period of time and having success that entire time. I think that, uh, you know, clearly you're doing something well. And I know I've learned a lot from you uh, from my early years in my own sales career. So uh, it's really, it's an honor to have you on the show. So thanks again yeah. for doing that. Oh, my pleasure. It's great. To, it's great to hear that you feel like you learned a lot because, you know, I, I learned some things from you. Uh, <laughs> I, I learn. I mean, I try to make, make it a point as often as possible to learn something from any, anyone and uh, anyone that you can. And I can remember when I moved to Sacramento or you were there and you were already a rep. I, I didn't recruit or, or initially train you, but you were... I guess only the second rep, I guess, that I'd ever worked with that I felt like when you were going to go out and do an appointment, it was like almost guaranteed that you're going to sell something. Like your closing percentage was really, really high. And you just had a, a interesting, interesting what I've learned about you since then. But I thought saw you had this an air of confidence that just, hey, you know, I've got a good product here. People need it. And it was almost always that you were turning in an order. And then I remember learning from you recently when we reconnected, you saying how really shy and scared you were to do those appointments, but that never came across. I I never got that from you. So that was really uh, kind of an eye-opener for me to see. Yeah, it's interesting. So I I think I was okay once I was at the appointment, but -hmm. it was the fear leading up to the appointment that was like crippling. I would actually (laughs) find reasons to like cancel the appointment so I didn't have to do it. I was terrified. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, but I see, I, I never, 
that tells me that I probably could have gotten to know you a little bit better and kind of got more and maybe helped you with, with that. I mean, heck, how much, how much more could you have done? I guess if you could have overcome that fear a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well, so Brad, you've had hundreds, maybe thousands of salespeople that have come through your organization or been on your teams. And some of them have moved on to some really impressive accomplishments. You know, maybe you can highlight a few success stories that you're most proud of. Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's certainly some folks that have done really remarkable things like Travis Kalnick, who founded Uber. You know, he was one of our reps up in Pasadena. I didn't work really closely with him. There's a lot of people that I didn't work really closely with, but I had maybe some influence on some Olympic athletes, Olympic medal winners, you know, several of those. But uh, I thought of two that that really, I believe, have taken very specifically their skills, their sales skills and skills of influence and done some pretty great things with. Uh, one is a young man named Hal Elrod. I call him a young man. He's, I guess, not as as young as he was when he started with me at eight, 17 or 18 years old. But Hal has become a uh, just a really prolific author. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, his his second book called The Miracle Morning. Sure. Uh, there's one, The Miracle Morning for Salespeople, The Miracle Morning for Real Estate Professionals. And it, it became a, like a series, like, like Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know, Chicken Soup for the Teacher's Soul, Chicken Soup for the This. And so he, I don't know how many different versions are uh, he has out, but they're bestsellers, they're co-authored. And um, I remember his last book, or one of his last books, uh, it's called The Miracle Equation. It's kind of a takeoff of The Miracle Morning. And the publisher uh, asked him, contracted him to write the book. He was paid in advance of $800,000 to write the book, right? So that's I don't know. To me, that seems pretty good. I, I, I haven't published any. I have pu- I have some published work as in compilations with some other uh, where I wrote like one chapter type of thing. But uh, that seems pretty good. That's uh, so Hal Elrod and he's uh, if you Google him or just go to halelrod.com, you're going to find, you know, based probably hundreds of TV interviews and things like that. He's been a very influential person and, and touched a lot of lives, has huge social media following. The other one is John Berghoff. And those guys were friends. And John is the founder of something called uh, Exchange. You can go to exchangeapproach.com. And what they've done, they basically redefine how meetings should work, okay, and, and can be effective. He's, he's, John's the kind of person that he'll get called by BMW or Costco or Facebook, Nike, a lot of these, Keller Williams, and he'll come in and he'll run a three-day program where it's just different than what, what, what do we think of when we go to a conference, right? We go to a conference, it's like speech, speech, break, speech, 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 break, speech, speech, and then cocktail networker, networking event, right? Uh, And it's been proven that that you don't really learn very much that way. You learn through participation, right? So they have a, they have a participative way of doing things. I remember when he, he went and he spoke to a hundred of the top engineers for BMW. Uh, and these, you know, the engineers traditionally aren't people that are, you know, want to be, want to participate in things. They're introverted, what have you. Um, you know, and he gets paid, you know, fifty or sixty thousand dollars a weekend to go and to go and facilitate these events. And never that I've ever understood or seen has it not been wildly successful, right? I've been through his his train. They would do a week long training program. Well, they used to do a week long live training program. Uh, now they've They've uh, created a three-day virtual program that they do. They've been able to influence a lot of other people. But both those guys have great TED Talks. 
In fact, TED is one of John Berghoff's clients. TED, they, they went in and revamped how TED events work for that. And, they, and also they facilitated meetings for like the International Suicide Prevention Coalition and, and all kinds of things. So they've really in, had massive influence, exponential influence. So that's what fires me up, by the way, is talking to young people and kind of helping them to learn how to live an inspired life, learn some skills, and then go on and they can do, who knows? Well, I mean, these guys have influenced far more people you know, than I ever did. Yeah, it's amazing when you think about you know the, the people you influence directly, but then the next level of influence after that. It's really, uh, it's really amazing some of the people that you've been able to touch over time. Yeah. So, Brad, you know, doing this for so long, you know, you can't continue to have success without creating some consistency and systemizing some of the sales processes. Um, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about how maybe how you approach that or how you've imp- implemented some of those kind of consistent practices to, to help your sales reps excel and really kick butt? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's a lot of different, I guess, different directions that, that you can answer that question, ways to answer that question. Uh, so first of all, when it, when it comes to just a systematic sales process, Cutco from way before I started had a very systematic approach. There's been more than 30 college textbooks that use Cutco as examples or case studies uh, all the way back in, into the, the late 60s, early 70s. There was one book that I, I'm thinking of that uh, it talked about this, the Cutco five-a-day program. Five-a-day program, it basically present the product to five people a day. And then it had a very specific sales presentation uh, to the point where it's like scripted out word for word practically. I mean, it's never exactly, but you know, the better you know your stuff, the, the better you can adapt when you know, customer questions come along. You know, our, our program is based on what I call the seven steps of a sale. I didn't make this up, but seven steps of a sale. Basically, build, uh, let's see here. I, I, wanna, I, wrote, I wrote these down so I, didn't, I wouldn't forget them. All right, there we go. So first one is rapport. Uh, this is something I used to, back when I used to give lectures at college, college campuses, marketing classes and things. Rapport, identify a problem, identify a specific problem, offer a solution, give a price comparison, ask for the order, and then offer an incentive to buy today. Okay, that was the, that's the process that's used. And people can take that process and apply it to virtually any kind of sales product. It, TV commercials will do this. Right, you you may be too young to remember an old commercial called uh, where they talk about ring around the collar. I think it whisk. Oh, yeah. it was whisk. Sure. Right, yeah. you remember this? Okay, so whisk detergent. Right, you look at their commercial. So the first thing they do is they create a rapport. Right, and how do they create a rapport with a section of their audience? They show a woman in her house. Right, just middle aged housewife. Right, so now they've automatically made a connection that say, "Hey, I identify with that person." Right, then they identify a problem. She goes and she picks up a laundry basket and she walks into the you know to, to where the 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 laundry is. Right, so there's a problem. Oh, laundry. We all have to deal with that. Right. Then they identify a specific problem. She picks up a shirt and she looks at the collar and oh my gosh, you know, look how dirty this collar is. Right, that's a very specific problem that people are now relating to. Then she shows the product, whisk, right? And she shows it big on the screen. They see the logo. There's the solution, right? And they talk about how it works and the benefits of the whisk. And they twist it in and look, look, no more ring around the collar. Then they will typically do something where they set, they compare it to another, you know, to, to a tide or to cold power or whatever the other detergents are. There's some kind of price comparison, something that puts it into perspective. Now, maybe it costs more 
And so it's it's not really a specific price comparison, but it's something that puts it in perspective. Then they'll ask for the order, you know, go get yours today. And then in the mail, they'll get like a coupon, right? So there's the incentive in a coupon as an expiration date, you know? So even things like that will use a system similar to this. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it totally does. And it's interesting because if I translate that into um, you know, technical sales, um, it's, it's so easy for the typical sales rep to sort of get sucked into showing all the great stuff that they can do before they ever really get down to identifying, you know, what is the real problem? What is the real opportunity? Because, you know, maybe 80% of what you want to go show them or tell them is not relevant. You know, what, it's not solving a problem that's top of mind or uh, that the customer mm-hmm. even cares about. And so much of the training that uh, tech salespeople receive is product training. You know, you need to know it, but you need to know it so you can ask you know, the right questions to uncover the opportunity, the business need, the pain, whatever it might be. Yeah, so... It's, you know, it doesn't really matter what the product is. You just, you, you definitely have to get to the right pain or the right opportunity to deliver the right message. Yeah. The man who knows everything about a product is an expert. The one who tells everything is a bore. There you go. So, but hey, Brad, I'm curious about, so the product that you sell, right? I mean, it hasn't really changed all that much in, I don't know, I have some product that I bought at a yard sale from like the 1960s. I mean, it's, you know, handles have changed, blades have changed. Um, the, so the, but the product is essentially the same, but I have to imagine how you go to market and, and how you innovate within or around the sales process has changed. What are some of the things you're challenged with, or maybe you've done over the last few years to just adapt to, you know, consumer demands and the need to sell differently? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really great question. And of course, now super relevant in the last two years has been some of the two of the years of some of the most dramatic change in, in a lot of business for us. It was, you know, the dramatic change in the fact that we always had everything was done in person, uh, almost everything. We would go to, you know, set up an appointment with a customer, go to their home, sometimes a business, but usually just their home, and demonstrate products and you know build a build up a rapport and you know make sales that way. All of a sudden, going into people's homes became virtually impossible. Nobody, you know, it was against the law, I guess, <laughs> to go out and do things like that. So. You know, we moved everything online using technology to do that. And we were really surprised at what we learned. We were able to succeed at a very high level doing everything online. So that, that's, a, that's by necessity, right? Another uh, innovation that's come along is in the early days, Chris, when you were around, people typically, they were a sales rep, maybe for a year. And if they wanted to continue in the company, they would move into management, right? That was kind of the way it was. And then after their, if they wanted to do management, they would do that for a certain period of time. And we worked with a lot of young people, college students, and they weren't looking for careers always. They were looking for experience and you know something to make money in the, in the, in the short term. But as our company continued to grow, we had um, many, many, many more sales reps that would want to stick around and just be sales reps longer. And the way they did that is not just by continuing to you know, do get referrals, schedule an appointment and do that. They still do some of that, but they added layers of their business. One gentleman started to innovate business gifting, right? And working with businesses. And so he started like courting like the Chicago Cubs organization, right? So to get them to buy, you know, a hundred uh, big sets of, of kitchen knives for a hundred of their top clients, people that get the luxury boxes or things like that. And these these sales would these sales process would took a lot longer than just an hour in a home, you know. And uh, so he pioneered that and started getting to the point where we could sell a million dollars a year worth of business gifts to companies. And now he has owns an entire business gifting company. His name is John Rulin. Check out his book, Giftology. It's uh, <laughs> uh, it's mind-blowing. 
frankly, if you're a business owner and you want to retain clients and retain uh, your top employees, uh, that is a book that is, uh, I think, is a must. Uh, and then another person innovated, hey, I'm going to do that, but I'm just going to focus on real estate agents because real estate agents buy gifts all the time. They're, every time they sell a house, they're closing a, a deal and they and they give these you know, little Home Depot gift cards or plants or you know, some wine or whatever. And these things are fleeting. They don't really keep this, the realtor top of mind, but a kitchen knife that's going to last for 50 years or longer, uh, well, shoot. That became the number, it's now the number one closing gift for real estate agents in the United States. And these sales reps innovated. Now they don't just sell to someone one time. Hey, you got this product that lasts forever. You know, you don't get a lot of repeat business, but if they're buying it for gifts over and over again, now we've got customers that have spent 20, 30, 50, 100, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and that one rep has this residual long-term relationship going. So that was another really great uh, innovation. So things like that, you know, you got to always keep your eye open for the next big thing, right? Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great points that I could pull out from that. I mean, just that last point, right? It's the most successful sales reps I know um, they're not just going in and getting one deal and, and then they're done. They establish incredible long-term relationships. I had a guest on, uh, I guess about a week ago, top sales guy for many years in a row. Um, he's done really, really well. And he puts in a tremendous amount of his time after hours to build those relationships with his key clients, you know, dinners, mm -hmm. sports game, um, taking the family out. And, uh, you know, it's paid off for him. Yeah, the other thing you mentioned that um, I, I think back, how does it translate into tech sales is, you know, you had somebody focusing on real estate agents, somebody focusing on uh, a sports team. When you decide to maybe niche down into a specific segment, you know, there's lots of people that might be doing what you're doing. But if you decide to go focus on real estate agents, you start to know their language, you start to become mm -hmm. more of the expert, you can connect with them because you can start to tell stories from the last real estate agent that you spoke with. Mm -hmm. It just makes you all that much more credible. And I know that, you know, that's always a challenge, I think, for sales reps to say, I want to go do everything. But then you're not necessarily great at everything. So, you know, it depends on the role that you're in. But when you can maybe focus on a vertical or focus on a certain segment, you can become the number one person in that segment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so there's, he, an old, what's, there's an old quote, something, uh, you, you want to get rich, find a niche or, you know, something. The tighter your niche, easier to get rich. I, anyway, it's a rhyming a rhyming thing with those two uh, those two words. I like it. I hadn't heard it, but I'll uh, I'll play around with that one a little bit. Um, so, Brad, look, it's um, you know you and I have talked a little bit. Uh, part of my theme here is look, you need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best. You know what what are some of the things that you do to continue either for yourself or for your sales team to continue to develop uh, develop that knowledge and grow? Um, yeah, well, you know, nowadays that there's a lot of 
technology, a lot, a lot of digital ways to consume, you know, to consume content. Um, I think Conrad Hall is the person that uh, made a quote famous says, you're, 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 ne- you're always a student, never a master. Right. And I remember I hear I remember hearing one of our top reps give a give a talk recently. And he basically said, you know, and this is this is, you know, a perennial champion in our business year after year after year. And he said, you know, my secret is that I'm you know, I I just don't ever want to see myself as a master. I always want to see myself as a student. Uh, And so that's the first step is, you know, you got to stay green to grow. You know, you got to realize that there's there's always more that you don't know than you do know. And as soon as we start to think we we know all the things, uh, then that's probably the beginning of, of, of someone's downfall, I guess, in, in, in sales or in business. So where do I go? I followed Darren Hardy for a long time. I don't know if you know Darren Hardy. He founded Success Magazine. He's, he's got a little, a little thing called the, the Darren Daily, appeals to a certain, a certain segment of the population. It's, I just get a little daily email. It's got a little four to seven minute little easy piece to consume, usually really good. Sometimes it's good enough that I'll make a recording of it and I'll, I'll, I'll save it or forward it on to, to, to some people that I work with. As of lately, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I follow a fellow named Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday wrote uh, several books, uh, one called The Daily Stoic, just basically 365 little one-page philosophies uh, from the works of Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and you know, Epictetus and people like that, the Stoic philosophers. Uh, I love that. And he's got some really, really great books. I just got a, n- a new one that I haven't started reading yet. But uh, The Obstacle is the Way is one of his books. Stillness is the Key. His, his most recent one is called The Courage is Calling. Uh, and it's basically taking a lot of the Stoic philosophies and putting them into terms that make sense you know, to us today. But he's great. He's got a nice daily email. And the one I'm most excited about as of late is a guy named Brian Johnson. He's got a, a company called Heroic Public Benefit Foundation or something like that. Mm. Um, and he's based out of Austin. And uh, his content is even shorter than Darren Hardy's. He's, he's, he's all these little, he calls them plus ones. And you have to watch him to see what he does with that. But like most of them are like two to two and a half minutes long. And just, just, just awesome nuggets. He's got full like hour-long master classes on sleep, on how to be, he, he has a term called anti-fragile, right? How to, how to be tough, basically grit. You talked about grit. He's got one on how to overcome anxiety, which I work with a lot of young people. And so I'm basically trying to uh, actually learn that one well enough that I can just turn around and teach it because a lot of young people feel like they deal with this, uh, a lot of stress and anxiety. And uh, anyway, he's got master classes on, you know, sleep. I mean, he's got like uh, you know, 15 or 20. And it used to be that you had to pay for this service. So it's like $200 a year, $199 a year. About two months ago, it became like total free. You just got to sign up as a member, no credit card, no nothing. Wow. You have access to all this, all this information. And they give, they, they're trying to provide this value because they have these other coaching classes and other things, other paid services, uh, you know, that are higher ticket items. And so they're really just kind of bringing a lot of people in. And I, and I frankly, you know, I, I continue paying for the service. I thought it was easily worth a couple hundred bucks a year for the information that, that you'd get. And then there's like, a, you know, maybe a t- once a week, email or something that would come. Uh, and then of course, as you can, if, well, you can't see if you're, just yeah, I, can see it. I got a lot of books. Uh, I still, I still like the tactile feel of books and like to read a lot of books, but that that's not something that you can pass along to people because, because most of the younger folks I want, I work with, they don't seem to want to read books. You know, they'll listen to a podcast, you know, or they'll watch a, a short video. Uh, so just got to stay green to grow and always be looking for looking for the goods. Yeah. I mean, if, 
just with a little bit of effort, there is so much content out there. It's just really amazing. You know, and much. I think back you know, to the early days, um, it was, we'd go buy a set of like Zig Ziglar audio tapes. Oh yeah. And then I was broke. And so I would buy one set of something, somebody else would buy another set of something. And then we'd duplicate all of them and share them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't tell Zig that. Well, the, or is the Ziglar foundation, I guess now. Yeah. Well, I still, in fact, I still have those sitting in my basement. I'm sure I've got, uh, yeah, just we don't have anything those. to play them on anymore. No, can't find that tape recorder. Well, hey, Brad, what keeps you going? I mean, I you seem to give a high level of energy. What, you know, what keeps you up? Uh, get you get you up every morning and keeps you going. Uh, yeah, another great question. You know, I I really believe in mission of what what we do. You know, I mean, I know people outside they look. Oh, this is a company they sell knives. They sell really good knives. It's great. You know, but I mean, you know, because you were a part of it for a few years and I've been uh, in it for a long time. Yeah, we do. We just do a lot more. You know, we're we're making. A, I believe that we're genuinely making a difference when we're teaching skills to the ones who who are willing to and want to learn it. Um, not everybody embraces it, but I guess that's the way of the world, isn't it? Some people succeed in in life at a higher level than other than other people. But I, that's really what keeps me going more than anything else. You know, I've uh, I've got some personal goals I got to work with. Uh, as you, I think you know, I have a twenty year old son who has special needs, and mm-hmm. chances are will never you know be able to sustain himself or hold down a job or whatever else. And so. You know, my wife and I aren't going to be able to take care of him forever, you know, so we're working to generate as much income as possible and currently investing it as much as possible uh, so that there's enough passive income that will be able to, you know, he'll be able to, you know, live in a in some kind of a community or, you know, when we don't really know what, what it's going to look like in however many years, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we have a super short-term plan, but, you know, ideally, you know, 10 years from now, there's a lot of different possibilities. So that that drives me too, you know, just to as a, as just a responsibility. And, uh, I know one of the questions that you'd mentioned that you might ask is about the, the kind of the charitable work that we do. Yeah. You know, I worked for Cutco for 17 years and then I actually kind of resigned slash retired. Uh, and I did some, I did some work. I mean, mostly consulting work, various, I just, and I didn't like advertise, Hey, I'm a consultant, you know, you know, hire me. I just would get a call from time to time and there'd be somebody starting a company or needed, they wanted to talk about recruiting systems or, you know, sales training or whatever. And then I would just get hired to do these, these short-term things. But uh, after nine years of kind of doing those things, uh, I came back to Cutco. And one of the things that really motivated me when I came back is created a program uh, called, we call it Cutco Cares. And, you know, as you know, a lot of sales companies have incentive trips that people go on all over the world and Cutco is no different. We do the same thing. And so my wife and I basically started locating like volunteer projects that we could do on these trips. Like when we were in Paris, we made lunches and passed out food and coffee to uh, these refugees that were living. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands living uh, just on the streets, you know, in Paris. In the Cayman Islands, we worked with the YMCA and we're in a sports camp for, for, for kids uh, and did a beach cleanup day, you know, and then all over the world, there's, there's needs, you know, and some third world countries, some of the needs seem greater than others, but there's need everywhere. So we started this program. And so we reach out to wherever we're going to be going and contact local rotary clubs or various organizations and just kind of do some research, take an advanced trip, lock down some projects. Because I want, I want our people to A, do something that they normally wouldn't do on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, get a different perspective about, you know, usually they have developed a lot more gratitude for their own life. Um, you know, when they see situations or things or when they're just doing something for someone else. 
B, I want them to experience a local culture a little bit more, right? Because uh, you know, the more we, the more we understand our fellow man, is that is that sexist to say fellow man, our fellow human? Um, the more the more we uh, know them, I think that the just the better we are able to function. Uh, and then, of course, we're doing great work for the local community. You know, we right. they, there's a pre- appreciation on that end, and so it, it's just multi beneficial, really. And also, I want the world, the world outside, to know that with the heart of people who really succeed at Cutco, what what our genuine heart is, and our people embrace this; they love doing it. Uh, and so, the more we take pictures and get that on social media, the more people will understand, uh, you know, what our company is really all about—not not just selling knives. And so, that project that keeps me going, that keeps me excited, and I know I've got to maintain my sales and my uh, influence in the company, maintain a status as one of the top performers. Uh, because I can influence people to participate in our volunteer projects better when, you know, when I have that level of influence. So those are kind of some of the things that get me excited. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like an incredible program. Uh, it sounds like you're doing some great stuff there. And you know, I've always believed that you need, you need to give to get right. It's uh, you can spend all your days, you know, busting your butt to go sell a bunch, make a bunch of money, whatever. But you know, if you're not doing something for somebody else, you know, there's there's only so much you can take out of life. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there that need need help at the individual level, at the organizational level. So there's so many things that you can do. And, you know, whether you're just helping out somebody down the street or joining some organization. I recently, I left, uh, my son became an Eagle Scout. So I stopped being the Scout Master of the Troop. And so I, I had this energy and I had this time. It was like, all right, where do I redirect it? So I joined uh, the local Rotary Club here in Portland. And that's been a really, it's been an eye opener because it's such a fantastic organization. Globally, they do some really incredible things. And by the way, I'm meeting great people along the way mm-hmm. um, that also care about other people. And so, you know, personally, I benefited, expanded my network. But at the same time, um, there is, they were going over the list of all the different like committees you could join. I mean, there's like 20 different things I could go do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, where will my skills be best used? And uh, I highly encourage anybody to go check that out if they're interested in, in a, in an organization. Well, Brad, yeah. um, I'm sorry. I interrupted. I, you I said, yeah, it's great. Great organization. My wife is the president elect. So she'll be the, the president of our rotary club next year, which makes me the first husband, which means I will have just as many responsibilities because then you get to volunteer for everything. Absolutely. Everything <laughs> uh, so that's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun year. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's congratulations. Tell her, uh, tell her I'm excited for what's the name of the chapter. Uh, we are members at the, or she is a member, I guess I'm no longer uh, officially a member, but the Rancho Santa Fe chapter. Rancho Santa San Fe. County. Okay. As my new member, I need to go visit another club. And yeah. so maybe I'll put that on the list. That's actually hey, a lot of fun to do. I visited two clubs in uh, Malawi, Africa, been to a rotary club in Munich, Germany. We try to, whenever we go on our trips, we always try to visit a local rotary club meeting. And it's interesting to see the, the different dynamics of different clubs. That's, pr- that's actually pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Hey Brad, if somebody would like to get hold of you or, um, or follow you, uh, what's the best way to reach out? Uh, I'm, I'm not amazingly active on social media. I mean, I've got an Instagram account. It's JBB said it, JBB, the, le- the initials S A I D I T. You can look there, I guess, but I mean, you can get people my email address. I don't, I don't really have any, uh, I'm not so busy that I can't take a, a call from somebody. If someone wanted to talk to me, Jay, I'll give you my simple personal email address, Chris, J Brad, the letter J B R A D at Mac.com. You know, okay. if I get a hundred emails from people from your podcast, asking me questions, I'll, I'll eventually get to all of them. I don't, That'd be I awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So, well, sure. Brad, um, was there anything else before we wrap up? Anything else you'd like to share or say? 
Oh, well, um, yeah, you know what? I will say this. Some, some people listening here at some point are going to get a call from a college kid or somebody saying, hey, I got this job and I need some help. Would you be willing to watch my presentation? Uh, I get paid just to show it to you. That's all true. And whether you feel like you have the time or not, I would say to do it because you're doing something really great for a young person, giving them that opportunity. You might find yourself with some really good knives. Uh, maybe not. So we are going to get paid one way or the other, though. So uh, don't, you know, don't feel an obligation. But at the very least, let them do a thing and encourage them to, hey, what you're doing is worth your time because they're dealing with, is it worth my time all the time? And are these skills I'm learning genuinely going to be helpful? Uh, and, of course, they're the distractions for young people today is uh, so much more than it was when we were kids. I mean, we, we had some distractions, but I mean, today, everywhere you look, there's something that could be taking up your time. And these companies, the uh, social media companies have figured out ways to that just by using their platforms, it creates a little bits of oxytocin and creates addictions to these things. And I would like them to be addicted to making a sale, addicted to learning, addicted to growing their skills. Uh, so I encourage you just to let people let people do the demo for you, even if you've seen it before. And if you have a kid, a, son, a young person, a child, son or daughter who is 18 years old, 18 to 20, and they say, hey, I'm thinking about getting this job selling knives. Uh, don't be that parent that says, don't be ridiculous. Go get a real job. Work at the fast food restaurant. Be that parent that says, hey, it sounds like a challenging endeavor. Get, go for it. Uh, God, I, I couldn't agree more. If I could send my kid, you know, he's a senior in high school and at some point he's going to see your advertisement. And I think it doesn't matter if they're not going to be salespeople down the road. Um, sales is involved in every, everything. And the, the skills and the ability you can pick up by having to go into somebody's home sit down with them for an hour and have a conversation as a college student. And by the way, you've got to professionally demonstrate something and try to sell something. Um, those are skills that you're not going to get in high school. You're, you may or may not get those in college. They're life skills that are just incredibly valuable that I, I just, you know, there's other organizations that do probably similar things, but it's uh, I leave it at that. It's, I totally yeah. support what you're saying. Yeah. It's few and few and far between. And um, you know, Vector's got, we, the, the new the new thing that's been quoted is it's a hashtag skills for life, right? Hashtag skills for life. That's like a thing that uh, has become become prevalent across our company, our social media for the last probably about five years now. Well, Brad, thank you again. Have a great week and we'll talk soon. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.